What you're about to hear was aired on Planet Philadelphia, environmental radio show on Germantown Community Radio, 92.9 FM, WGGTLP in Philadelphia, and on gtownradio.com. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Kay Wood, the host of Planet Philadelphia. Linda Rosenwine is here with me on this call. And we're very pleased to be speaking with a great guest today. We'll be talking with Glenn Hurricane Schwartz. He's an author and former meteorologist at the NBC affiliate WCAU in Philadelphia. Hi, Glenn. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. Um, my pleasure. And probably most folks in the region are familiar with you, but just in case, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, if you would, please? All right. Well, I've been a meteorologist for 50 years, five zero. I have wanted to be a meteorologist ever since I was in the fifth grade. And I went to College of Penn State, got my degree in meteorology. I've worked at AccuWeather and the National Hurricane Center and the Weather Channel and a whole bunch of other TV stations, all in the eastern half of the country. I worked in Miami at the Hurricane Center. I've worked in Atlanta twice, once for the National Weather Service, then discovered and put on TV in Atlanta for my first TV job. And a few years later, back in Atlanta at the Weather Channel, where I was their first storm chaser. In between, I went to Cincinnati after the Weather Channel, went to New York City, then Raleigh, then uh, Fort Myers, Florida on the first day when Andrew hit, and then West Palm Beach before I got to Philly. So that's a fairly typical TV career where you're bouncing all over the place. Interesting. Well, I guess gives one a wider perspective. Yes, absolutely. So some historical background, uh, since 1970, which was the first Earth Day, how has the coverage of weather and its relationship to the environment changed? Well, I would say that it started changing at least partially, uh, maybe in the late 90s or the beginning of this century. Uh, before that, there was virtually no talk about uh, climate in general, other than this is the average high and this is the average low for this date, or this is the record uh, set in 1934, for example. That was the only discussion of climate. Back in the 70s, even before I got into TV, there were some magazine articles about climate and about how the planet could potentially cool and go into an ice age. And a lot of people these days have a misinterpretation of that time period where they said, oh, back in the 70s, they said we were headed toward an ice age. Well, it was mainly one book by a non climate person who started all this ruckus and then it got put on the cover of I'm not sure whether it was time or newsweek 
And so it spread around into the general media, but it was never a scientific evidence of this happening. And as I was working for the National Weather Service in the 70s, I remember the head of the climate center coming to lecture us. And he was saying at that time, back in the 1970s, he said, we're not worried about the earth cooling. We're worried about the earth warming. And this is called global warming. And this is going to be an issue by the end of this century. And he was absolutely right about that. But that wasn't talked about on TV at all. Back in 2015, I started this radio show. And that was actually part of the reason that I did was because the reporting about climate change was very little. Yeah, the thing is that, in, like in TV, the only people who have a background in science are the weather people. And, and that's not even true all the time. There are a lot of people with zero education in science doing weather at uh, TV stations around the country. And it's always been that way. Sometimes there's more of a trend toward meteorologists. Sometimes there's less of a, a trend. Now, if somebody is not educated in weather and climate, they don't belong talking about it in that kind of uh, perspective. And many of us who are meteorologists doing the weather, we don't have background in climate. They're not exactly the same thing. And even though it helps us understand the other, we're not experts in climate. And it's one of those things where you're a little bit reluctant, especially to make strong pronouncements when you're a day-to-day -day weather forecaster, as opposed to somebody who's dedicated their lives to studying the past, present, and future climates. So just in the general area, and the fact that we do not have climate experts in the media, anywhere on a regular basis, or at least haven't until the last couple of years, you don't have the direct line of communications. You have us as weather people on TV who try to be, let's say the middleman, the person who's uh, translating the science into everyday language. And that's mostly what we do on TV. Is there a difference in the world, the national and the local weather reportage in relation to environmental climate change issues? Yes, there definitely is. Uh, and one of the things that has changed over the decades is that we have more information on what's going on elsewhere in the world. So in some cases, it's a little hard to get an accurate picture of how things have changed. Because if we see all these horrible floods, let's say in India, well, maybe that happened 100 years ago or 50 years ago or even 20 years ago. But we never had the video to show on the national news of look what's happened in India. So 
we have a lot more information now. We have a lot more video. So we are now seeing what's happening elsewhere in the world. Up until recently, the only thing that we see pretty much is our local weather and our national weather. And unless there's a hurricane hitting Bermuda or, or some place in the Caribbean, we do not and have not seen or talked about weather outside of our country until recently. You mentioned that until recently, also in regard to climate change experts in the media. I, I think you indicated that, that there may be more now. Yes. As a matter of fact, we've had a couple of TV people, meteorologists, who have evolved into climate specialists and appear on TV and sometimes write columns, and they are pretty much specializing in climate now. There was never, never any kind of interest in a general media sense, a network, radio or TV, to talk regularly about climate. That is only in the last few years. And in some cases, the last couple of years, one of the great advances in climate education is from a company called uh, Climate Central in Princeton, New Jersey, where part of their mission is to educate TV weather people around the country to become more comfortable in talking about climate. So the discussion of climate on TV has really exploded in the last few years. Do you think people watching the regular weather reports in the local area are taking notice of this change? Yes, I, I think so. There were times, let's say 20 years ago, where I would get a letter once in a while, or I would get an email saying, how come you don't talk about climate? But there was very little discussion about it. There's very little public pressure on management or on us as individuals to talk about it more. And number one, we're not experts on it. Number two, we looked at it as something that was kind of controversial. One of the things that is important in TV, for example, is to not get your audience mad at you so they change the channel and never watch again. And so there were some instances of a negative reaction anytime somebody talked about climate on TV. But it's really amazing, and personally speaking, that I have hardly gotten any kind of negative feedback, in Philadelphia at least, uh, when I have talked and written about climate. Um, that in many cases, I think we overestimated the negative reaction to talking about it. People are, are searching for information from people that they trust about climate now. And I'm seeing more and more evidence of this in TV stations and radio um, and on blogs, on major sites 
uh, talking about climate. And of course, there's some negative feedback on it, but less and less of that. It is becoming much more of a mainstream thing. We're seeing a lot more coverage of it in a lot more places, and I couldn't be happier about that. So how did you approach the relationship between weather reporting and the environment? Well, the first thing that I had heard about it was that climate leader in the 70s while I was working for the Weather Service. Back in the mid-90s, there was some discussion about climate. We had the biggest snowstorm in Philadelphia history in 96, uh, over 30 inches. The previous record was 21. And so there was some question back then, and even a cover issue, I believe, in Time Magazine, you know, did the changing climate produce this monster snowstorm? And I re remember doing a, a kind of detailed story on NBC 10 about whether climate had any role in the blizzard. So that was the first time it was being talked about. And there wasn't a whole lot of coverage, at least on TV, uh, for quite a while. One of the reasons is we get so little time to talk about anything. And this issue is so complex, has so many facets to it, that you can't adequately talk about it in the period of time that we have. So it's just been a gradual thing over the years where I've felt more comfortable, let's say, writing blogs. I started writing blogs around 2010 or 12 up to in that period. And I probably wrote at least a couple hundred and many of them were related to climate. So I felt more comfortable doing that, writing about it, putting it on our website because I would have more time to look into it, more time to choose my words carefully and more freedom in saying what I wanted to say. And so we got a lot of information on that. The Philadelphia Inquirer actually asked me to do uh, blogs for them for a period of several years. So the blog that I was writing appeared not only on NBC 10, but also on the um, philly.com website. And this was for years. I was wondering how much autonomy the uh, meteorologists have in how they craft what they're saying. I mean, is, is there like a network policy on climate change or is it nothing that formal? Yeah, I've never been specifically told what to say or what not to say. And that is probably the answer that almost any TV weather person would give. Um, I think that would be a bad precedent for management. And if it ever got out publicly, that would make them look really bad, um, number one. Number two, people in management and television you know, way less than we do as meteorologists about climate. And so, yeah, they know about news and they tell the news people what they can and cannot say. 
and they have written standards of, uh, let's say when you're talking about crime, whether you can call somebody a suspect or a person of interest, that kind of thing. There are strict rules for media coverage of the news, but there are no such rules for climate. And that probably varies from station to station and person to person within the station. Many meteorologists are reluctant to talk about climate at all. There are a lot of meteorologists who are um, big skeptics about it. And until a couple of years ago, it was almost the majority of TV meteorologists who were uh, skeptics at best and what would be called deniers in today's world. It's been a, a long time getting my part of the profession uh, to come around. So the National Association, I assume there is one, of weather people, what are they thinking about how to cover the relationship between the environment and climate change? Well, the uh, American Meteorological Society is um, the main organization that covers uh, weather people, meteorologists on TV. And we have broadcast conferences every year and have had for many, many decades. And there have been more and more talks at these conferences about climate and how to talk about climate. And so one person from uh, Chicago sees a report from New York and they say, oh, that sounds interesting. Let me talk about that. The AMS does have policy points and they've issued statements about climate in the past, but they're not requiring their members to talk about that, let alone agree with it. Sounds like quite a diversity of opinion then. Yeah, and you see the weather changes so much day to day. And as meteorologists, that's what we're focusing on. And so it's, it's really hard for us to see overall trends when there's so much chaos, as we call it, in the day-to-day -day weather. There isn't just a straight upward trend in temperatures or a straight upward trend in hurricane intensity. We are looking at the details. The climate experts are looking at the bigger averages. So it, it has been much harder to convince TV meteorologists about the climate science than almost any other type of scientist. It, it really has been a, a very frustrating thing you know, for me personally, because um, I've been talking about this since the 90s. And I had a lot of arguments back then. And uh, some of the people that I argued with back in the 90s and early part of the century have definitely come around to accepting the science. And here's a science question. We've heard conflicting information about the relationship between hurricanes and climate change. What is the current thinking about this issue? Well, hurricanes is one of the issues that is especially difficult because there aren't that many of them. 
when you're looking for evidence of things, the more pieces that you have to put together, the more sure you can be about the conclusion. We don't have a long enough history of weather records. Let's say our official records in this country go back oh, more than 170 years, let's say. That is a, just a blip in the history of the world. And you can't even say that we had accurate records back 100 years ago because there were hurricanes out in the middle of the ocean that we never knew existed until satellites came out. And that was 1970. So now we've only had 50 years of decent records. And even back in 1970, when the satellites came out, the picture quality was so bad, we couldn't tell if it was a category one or two or three. So it's very hard to make specific and what we call statistically significant comments about how hurricanes have become more common than they used to. What we have seen, and there's an increasing agreement on this, is that we've seen more rapid intensification of hurricanes and typhoons than we saw 20 years ago, 30 years ago. When we had good satellites, when we had good records, we didn't see the intensification happen so quickly and so dramatically as what we've seen. And this is concerning more and more of us that this is something that's happening maybe faster than the computer models had suggested and maybe has increased at more of a rapid rate than we would have expected. So maybe you start thinking, well, what's it going to be like 20 years from now if we're seeing this kind of intensification? Now, as far as the number of hurricanes worldwide, there has not been a statistical significant increase. So when we talk about hurricanes in general, we tend to say there is no proven trend in the number of hurricanes, but there's an increasing level of evidence in the intensification. Once you have one on the map, it is more likely to intensify to, let's say, a category four or five than it used to. Thanks. That was a very clear explanation to something that can be quite confusing. You mentioned there have been improvements in covering climate change. I was wondering what are the barriers still existing to doing that and connecting it with our local weather? Yeah, and it depends on the individual station and the individual meteorologist. And even at an individual station, there may be disagreements among the weather people. You know, the morning person might be a skeptic and the evening person uh, is on to the latest uh, scientific thinking. And you may hear a different thing in the morning than you do at night from the very same station. And you're not likely to uh, change somebody's mind overnight 
And the last thing that you want to do is to order somebody to change their mind, because um, my experience has been that meteorologists, especially TV ones, we're kind of stubborn. You don't tell us what to say or not to say. There's an example of that. It's back in the 90s, uh, President Clinton and Al Gore invited a group of TV uh, weather people from around the country to the White House to get a presentation from Al Gore about this uh, changing climate. And it, in a way, backfired because there were so many of these TV weather people that were saying, you're not going to tell us what to say. And I resent the fact that you brought me to the White House to try to give me this propaganda about climate. And it had good intentions, but there was so much negative feedback on that that it, it really taught us a lesson. You, you can't shove it down in people's throats. Hmm. So you've alluded to that there's limited time that you're given for the weather. I guess there might be other barriers such as a catastrophe focus, whether you can give uh, special reports. And you've also alluded to that you have to appeal to viewers so they don't turn you off. Are there any other barriers to, <laughs> to cover, covering the weather and environmental yeah, connection? Yeah, on a day-to-day -day basis, it, it can get very frustrating because let's say you have a flood and the anchor might say, well, did climate change cause this? And I have about 10 seconds to answer that question uh, before I could go to the rest of the weather cast. And so there are times where I could give a line or two during a regular weather cast when some of these extreme things happen. That can get pretty frustrating um, where I would like to say, well, let's forget the day-to-day -day weather cast today. Let's talk about the possible influence of the climate change on that flood that we had yesterday. Um, but you really can't do that because people want to know what the weather's going to be tomorrow. Myself included. Yeah. So do you have suggestions for how the coverage could be changed? Well, I'm very encouraged by the changes that I've seen over the last couple of years. And once again, I, I credit Climate Central with a lot of that because they've managed to put out accurate responsible information all across the country. And we're seeing more and more encouragement of TV weather people to talk about climate, to do e even background stories from reporters, which we never used to see. Like for example, on NBC 10, just a, a couple of weeks ago, there was an in-depth report on the expansion of Philly International and what effect it might have on the flood threat as the climate got worse. That report was done by a news reporter. Now we have somebody at the station who's designated as the, let's say executive producer 
of climate. So any story related to climate goes through him. He arranges for the information from various experts. He consults with us as meteorologists about the content and even the wording, word by word, of the script. These are things that never were done before. And the local stations like it because this is now local news. We're not talking about increased temperatures in India. We're talking about the impact of Philadelphia International Airport and its future because of the rising sea levels, for example. That is local news. That is something that our management is very much in favor of covering because of the local angle. Our viewers are much more interested because it is their community. And we're seeing more and more of that around the country. We're seeing more of those meteorologists doing reports on the national news. If you look at ABC, CBS, NBC, evening news, there are stories on climate now regularly. And unfortunately, it takes some kind of weather disaster to trigger that sometimes. But if you get one of these horrible hurricanes, you will not only see the news reporting on it, but you'll see a background report from their meteorologist or quoting climate experts about the impact. These are things that have just been happening the last couple of years. It's increasing very significantly and I'm very much encouraged by that. Do you have suggestions for viewers or just people in the community and how they could affect the reporting? Well, one of the best lines that I've heard from a, a climate expert, uh, Catherine Hayhoe in, in Texas, says the best thing that you can do about climate change is to talk about it. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world and you know, the price of gas and all this. But when we look ahead 20 years from now, people aren't gonna be talking about what the price of gas was in the year 2022. They're gonna be talking about the latest flood or hurricane or heat wave that has occurred and the uh, impact on climate and how come these people didn't do anything or didn't do enough back 20 years ago when it was so obvious. So we are gonna see those kind of differences. It is important to talk about it and spread the word that is happening in some cases. And individually, people can't do everything that is suggested, but you can do something in your own life. Um, you can drive a fuel efficient or hybrid or electric vehicle. You can take the train or the bus and avoid driving altogether. I can, for example, get I get 100% of my energy at home through renewables, just by making a choice through uh, pickup. And anybody can do that. So 
you can feel a little better about your contribution to handling this issue if you're actually doing something yourself. Are there other things that you thought it would be important to bring up that we haven't asked about? It, it is kind of a frustrating subject where the science seems so obvious that it's very frustrating to see and read such wrong information. In some cases, you know, they're just reading from the wrong source. Or in other cases, it's totally political. And the politics of this may be the toughest of all to get over and to get beyond. And as long as we have a political divide like we have, it's going to be very hard to make significant reductions in fossil fuels and in carbon emissions to keep that temperature as low as we need it to be, that temperature increase over the decades to come. Um, so it, it partly has to be an individual thing, but also partly has to be a societal and political force that we have to create and, and increase over time to try to get more significant things done in a quicker way than is actually happening. And the toughest part of it is the weather changes every day. So if you get a cold wave coming, you're gonna get people coming out of woodwork saying, oh, what's about global warming now? Um, that's a barrier that is always gonna be there. If people wanna find out more about the relationship between weather and climate what other resources yeah. are there? No, Climate Central is, is great. One of the things that they do is they do um, artwork and the charts and the graphs and, and do a beautiful job and make it simple, easy to understand many different aspects of climate. I highly recommend that site, uh, Climate Central. Um, there's also a, a great site that I've used over the years called Skeptical Science. And what they do is, is they take about, let's say the first hundred arguments about climate and refute them one by one. So, and here's a relatively simple answer to that question. And now here's the full detailed scientific explanation. And they've been doing this for a long, long time. And uh, they've also done a, uh, a great job of it. And the IPCC itself, the international committee um, that issues the report every few years, you know, there are summaries of that that are written, you wouldn't want to read the whole report, but um, summaries may be okay. But you have to be very careful about the sources that 
you use and depend on because there are a lot of people with ulterior motives or political motives to try to get you to um, believe something else. And they could put it in a really nice package and nice looking graphs and be totally wrong about it. Uh, there were many years where um, it was the Heritage Foundation published really nice looking pamphlets about climate change that they sent to virtually every school in the country to so-called help uh, teachers teach about this. But it was all full of bad information because their cause is not to get the pure science and latest science information out, their cause is, is more of a political one. So yeah, you really have to be careful. So I would start with Climate Central and Skeptical Science, and then you could get references from those sites to go to other places. You who just retired from WCAU, what are your plans now? Well, uh, one of the things I'm, interested in doing is talking about climate and writing about climate, um, you know, using my name and reputation to, to help spread the word a little bit. It may be that I've had less criticism because I've built up a, a, a reputation and a credibility over uh, the 27 years here. So I want to take advantage of that. I wrote a novel, uh, it was published a couple of years ago called The Weather Maker, that it does have a pretty big emphasis on climate and especially efforts to try to fix the climate, uh, which would be known as geoengineering and the, and the dangers of that. And I'm working on trying to get that made into a movie. Uh, we need to get more and more of the general public, a wider group to uh, take a look at this and to be exposed to this information and not just talk to the people that are already convinced. We've got to reach more people. And, and my idea is to do it through entertainment and you know, big Hollywood movie would, would be a way to do it. And there hasn't been one really directly related to climate since the, the, uh, the, the day after tomorrow, which was what, 15 plus years ago. So it's been a long, long time. And also to write a sequel to that. Um, so those are a couple of the things that I'm looking forward to do and to concentrating more on climate than day-to-day -day weather forecasting. Wow, I will really love to see those films. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, read the book first. It's called <laughs> The Weather Maker. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Have this a wonderful delightful And, you know, so encouraging that you are continuing in your efforts to uh, work on these issues and do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't play golf, so, uh, you know, I got to do something useful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you want to know more about Planet Philadelphia, go to planetphiladelphia.com. 
You could also find out more about other G-Tone Radio programming by going to gtoneradio.com. I hope you will consider making a small monthly donation to help Planet Philadelphia continue presenting interviews on important underreported environmental topics and exploring their complexities and intersections. Thank you so much for your support.